0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Wednesday, February the 14th, 2024 at 1.49 p.m. Central Time. Now, today's focus is designed to give you one thing to focus on for the rest of your day, but today there are too many things to focus on. Now, some of you will know this, some of you may not, but you remember we have a series where we're currently following... The liturgical calendar. We're following the lectionary. And today is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. So we could be talking about the, the origin, the history of Lent, its basic principles. We could be focusing in on that today. We definitely need to. And that these 40 days is supposed to kind of connect us to Jesus in the wilderness, his fight against temptation. And so it's a, it's a 40 days where you focus on on repentance, you you do a lot of, you know, inspecting and evaluating and analyzing your own life to see where their struggle with sin and you fight against it. It's 40 days, maybe, uh, where you spend extra time fasting, extra time focusing on spiritual disciplines. Oh, there's so much to focus on when it comes to Lent, Ash Wednesday. And I know some of you will say, well, that's Catholic, that's Catholic the story of jesus in the in in the wilderness for 40 days it's right there in your bible so just because someone took something about it and kind of developed something from it who cares where who developed anything from it it's 40 days 40 days that we focus on very important spiritual disciplines and concepts, as long as the concepts we're focusing on are biblical, as long as we're focusing on the right things and we're not, you know, abandoning biblical theology to grab onto something else, then it doesn't matter. It's 40 days. So we focus on that. Um, it, it, there is very much, a lot to remember, um, during this time. So it is, it is, ash uh, wednesday it's the beginning of lent so there's plenty there for us to think about we can look at the lectionary readings for today oh there's so much we could focus on it is also valentine's day so we could also focus on well the concept of love what is love from a biblical perspective versus from a human perspective right do you know do we truly love people in a in a correct way? Or do we love people simply because we love ourselves a lot? We could have a long discussion about that. We could spend some time looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, there's so much we could focus on. But we cannot do any of that right now because I am preoccupied with something else. We have to look at, well, a a chapter in the Bible, and we have to kind of ask ourselves, is this chapter in the Bible... Now, this is very important. This is very important. Is this chapter giving us an invocation or is it giving us a benediction? We are going to focus on, I'm going to get you to focus on at least part of today, on one chapter in the Old Testament. And I want you to look at it and go, is that an invocation or is that a benediction? And if you don't know the difference between an invocation and a benediction, I'm going to be right here to explain it all to you. But let me tell you what's going on. All right. As many of you know, not only are we focusing on, you know, the liturgical calendar and we're focusing on the lectionary. And and that can keep us busy every day. We are also doing something else. We're currently involved in a a challenge, right? Now, we're doing 21 Days in the Minor Prophets right now, so we still need to be working on that. But we have the Sermons 2.0 App Sermon Challenge, where the 21 Days in the Minor Prophets is connected to it. So today, looking at, well, the Sermons 2.0 app, looking at beta.sermonaudio.com, I noticed that Bob Jones University was going live with their chapel service. Now, it appears that they're currently in a... Bible conference. So I don't know if if last night started the conference or if this conference started earlier this morning, but they're they're currently involved in a conference. In fact, if you open up your Sermons 2.0 app right now, if you open up your Sermons 2.0 app right now, you will notice. Hang on, let me let me go here. I'm gonna do a search. I'm gonna go to Discover. I'm gonna uh, hit Bob Jones. And there's Bob Jones University, all right? Bob Jones University. And you will notice that um, it looks like the most recent sermon, Cultivating a Heart for the Harvest, Complete Service, Conference. And then if you'll look at recent series, it says 2024 Bible Conference, 2024 Bible Conference. You click on that, it says five sermons, but only one is listed. And that is, um, it, it was from yesterday. So obviously the conference began yesterday, cultivating a heart for the harvest, and, and it's a complete service. The uh, artwork says, look on the fields, cultivating a heart for the harvest. So they're in the middle of a conference. Well, today was another message in that conference. They haven't uploaded it yet. I don't know when they're going to upload it. And the individual stepped to the pulpit, told everyone to open up their copy of God's word to Psalm 67. And then it took a very interesting turn, at least for someone who cares about hermeneutics, how to handle the text, because it got a little strange to me, not strange and like, oh, that's weird. Strange and just, wait, what's happening? What are you doing with the text? So he took Psalm 67. And now I want you to go listen to it for yourself when it's uploaded. I want you to go listen to it for yourself. Um, Someone say you should do a sermon review on it. it. No, I really, I shouldn't because they're really... I think about halfway through, I, I at least for me, I don't know what else we could accomplish. Maybe we could do our review at the very beginning of it to show you how someone can take a text of scripture and literally flip it on its head. But so he took Psalm 67 and he began basically reading these words, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then he connected that to, uh, to Aaron, the high priest, right? Aaron, the high priest, where Aaron uh, gives in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, he gives what is known as a well-known blessing, all right? The, Aaron, the, 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 the blessing of Aaron, and this blessing is used as a benediction in many liturgical situations, right? At the end of the service, in fact, I'm going to go to Numbers, I'm going to go to Numbers, chapter 6. I'm going to go to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Typically, 24, 25, and 26 is really the way that the blessing goes. So the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That is kind of the benediction, the benediction that is offered in many churches and at the end of many liturgical services. It's a benediction. Now, when we refer to a benediction, what we typically mean is this, because sometimes people confuse The the difference between a benediction and an invocation. And, and, And so the terms are often used interchangeably, but they have distinct meanings in religious context. All right? So there is a difference. Benediction is a prayer that asks for God's blessing, usually at the end of a religious service. All right? So it means blessing. An invocation, on the other hand, is a prayer that asks for God's presence and guidance, usually at the beginning of a religious service. All right? It comes from a Latin word, which means to call upon. So a benediction is a blessing at the end. An invocation is really a prayer that is asking for something. Benediction, the worship service is over. Now here's a go with this blessing. An invocation is we're getting ready to begin this worship service, and we're going to ask God to do something in it. They're they're completely different. One happens at the end. One happens at the beginning. One is a blessing. One is a basically a prayer, a request, a calling upon God to do something. They're really different. So what happened in this me- chapel service? This this message for the this conference at Bob Jones University. This individual stood and said, okay, because Psalm 67, verse 1, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, because that sounds very similar to the blessing. I mean, obviously borrowing very similar language from the blessing given by Aaron, the high priest. And because that blessing from Aaron, the high priest happens at the end of the worship service, then he began to create this scenario. So imagine, this is how he kind of did, imagine you're walking in to the service. The service is over. Everything is done. The preaching is done. The teaching is done. The singing is done. The announcements, everything is done. And you hear these words. Well, that should tell you that something just happened. Well, what happened and what is the significance of it? So he takes Psalm 67 and then approaches the entire chapter as if it's a benediction as if you read verse 1 as a benediction and then that benediction tells you something has happened so now we need to figure out what happened but that i i don't know how you do that to the text now he's to be fair he did not say he was going to follow it based off its literary uh div- its literary makeup and its literary uh you know structure he said he was going to look at it from a thematic approach But even if you look at it from a thematic approach, the theme is not benediction. The theme is invocation. The theme is prayer, asking for something. He said it was about, it was a benediction, but he really wanted it to say it's about worship. But I don't really know if it's about worship as much as it is is a prayer for something. All right, so what I want to do is I want to take a minute and at least look at this, all right? Now, I'm not saying I've got this figured out. Literally, I just got done listening to the sermon a little while ago, and I've been trying to process this. I looked up a couple of things. I got a couple of commentaries here. We're just going to kind of go through it and see how they approach it. Now, he put forth his hypotheses. Hey, we should look at this as a benediction, and then this should tell us something about worship. And then he wanted to connect worship to mission. And so missions is really... And any quotes from Piper, missions are necessary uh, because people don't worship. All right. Great. I don't know what that, I don't really know what that has anything to do with Psalm 67. I think Psalm 67 has a very historical setting. and And I'm just going to say this. I think it's very Israel based. And to say it's not Israel based, I think would be doing great disservice to it. Now, it sounds like many believe this is a Psalm of David, but we don't actually have a a heading there. So ultimately it's the Psalmist, whomever that Psalmist may be, I believe they're coming for an invocation for things to happen. And then they believe as a result, if these things happen, then there will be an ultimate result. And I don't know if we can pull this away from the Israel context. But I know this, it's not a benediction. It's an invocation. There is a difference. All right? Now, we're going to look at that. I would also challenge you, just as always, please be using the Sermons 2.0 app. I mean, look what happened. I just sat down and immediately now I've got... I've got something to focus on for the entire day. So what I want you to do is focus on Psalm 67, at least part of the day, part of the day, right? I'm still focusing on the sins of Edom as listed in Obadiah, listen to our last uh, broadcast. I'm also trying to focus on Lent and, and uh, Ash Wednesday and all the possible ramifications of that spiritually for myself. So let's go to Psalm 67, though, and while all of this other stuff is going on, and there's some other broadcasts going on right now in the Sermons 2.0 app that I definitely want to get to. Someone is doing a broadcast right now on five tools to kill, you know, sin. I definitely want to know those five tools, so I'm, I definitely have to go listen to that. There's always so much going on on the app. I, I wish everyone would use it as it, far more than you have, all right? So that's one of the things we're trying to accomplish this year. But we have to look at Psalm 67. I've got to figure this out, all right? I am not claiming that I am—look, here's what I'm saying. I'm not claiming that I have this perfectly understood because I don't. I will be dogmatic. At least I will say my hypothesis that I'm very dogmatic about at this moment is that Psalm 67 is an invocation and that in no way, shape, or form, even if you're looking at Psalm 67 purely from a thematic, and you're not worrying about its literary structure, I don't know how you turn it into a benediction. I don't know how that happens. But here we go. Are you ready? All right. Now, please follow Bob Jones University when the message is uploaded. Listen to it immediately. All right. Then you can compare contrast you can do your own work you know what's good from this even if we come to the conclusion that he was right or if we come to the conclusion that he was wrong it's that's really irrelevant it's not about him it's not about me it's about psalm 67 so if by the end of today you have focused on psalm 67 and when the day is over you know psalm 67 better than when you started we've accomplished something spiritually doesn't make us better than anyone else doesn't make us more godly than anyone else. doesn't mean we're never going to struggle with sin. It just means we understand another part of God's word, and then hopefully that will have some positive to us. So are you ready to work on this? Here we go. Psalm 67. I kind of want to give an outline, but I don't want to do that. We're just going to work through this. Here we go. God be merciful unto us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Now. Here's my understanding of that. That is not a benediction where you're giving a blessing. I believe that this is an invocation. And as we, as the psalmist is is about to begin, he's asking for something. God be merciful unto, and notice the plural, Us. God, be merciful unto us. I believe the psalmist is asking God to show mercy upon Israel, to show mercy upon his people. God, have mercy on, or God, be merciful unto us. Look, look, I I don't know about you. Whenever we get ready to approach God in worship of any kind, whether you're getting ready to sing or whether you're getting ready to hear the word of God, because the highest form of worship is hearing the word of God. You're getting ready to study God's word. You're getting ready to do anything. You're getting ready to have a church, whatever you're getting ready to do. I know where we always need to start. We always start with God, with asking and begging for God's mercy. We always begin with request. This is not a a blessing. This is asking God, be merciful unto us. I need God's mercy today. I need God's mercy tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Because no matter what I'm doing in my life, no matter if I feel like I'm on the top of the mountaintop, right, of, of, of spiritual victory, I still need God's mercy. I don't care if I'm at the bottom of the valley and, and, and all kinds of sin. I still need God's mercy. We always begin with needing God's mercy. That's what we need. God be merciful unto us. This is like, hey, before we do anything else, God, we need your mercy and bless us and we crave and we need God's blessing. because if we don't have his blessing and a sense that we end up with his curse, we need to be we need God's blessing and then cause his face to shine upon us. Really, He's requesting in this invocation three very specific things right here. God's mercy, God's blessing and that his face shine upon them. Now that phrase his face shine upon them is very symbolic, right? It's it's kind of got a a, a symbolic meaning, all right? It's kind of a poetic expression, all right? When it when we read the words uh, cause his face to shine upon us, it is a poetic expression that invokes the image of God's favor, blessing and presence shining upon his people. All right. So the main thing is, hey, God, have mercy, bless me, and then look upon us. In other words, look upon me, be present with. If God's face is upon us, he's present with us. So, in a sense, it's God's mercy, God's blessing, and God's presence. And guess what? You don't get his blessing and you don't get his presence without his mercy. We need his mercy. We need his mercy. We need his mercy. We need him to withhold what we do deserve. We don't deserve blessing. We deserve curse. We don't deserve his presence. We deserve to be separated forever eternally from him. We must come to God seeking his mercy. So verse 1 clearly sets up the, the sum. It's an invocation. There's no question about it. There, there, I don't think there's any way to get around it. It's clearly an invocation. And I believe verse two may continue that invocation. Right? Or does it do something different? I don't know. Now you can look up many commentaries. They do some strange things with outlining it. But I believe verse one is clearly is, is an invocation. It's a prayer. And at the end of that prayer, it tells us, Sila. And, and typically most people believe that means to pause to meditate, to think about. We need to think about God's mercy, the need for his blessing and his face shining upon us. Now, verse two of the King James says that, that, why, Lord, why do we need your mercy? Why do we need your blessing? Why do we need your face to shine upon us? That thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. Lord, we need your mercy, your blessing, and your face upon us. And the reason we need this is so that then you, that your way may be known upon the earth and your saving health among all the nations. We we need your mercy and your blessing and your presence so that then it can be made known to others. It seems the psalmist is saying we need this so that others may benefit from it. That's the way I am. I I I read. I mean, that's the way it is in the in the King James. I'm going to look here. I, I think maybe I have another Bible behind me. Give me one second. Yes, I do have another Bible. I was going to look up a a lot, a lot of English translations, but if I start looking up all the English translations, then I'm just reading one translation after another translation. And then that can actually take away from what I'm trying to accomplish. So one other can at least provide a different way. So here we go. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. It's almost as if the psalmist is like, Lord, as Israel, as a nation, Lord, have mercy on us, bless us, let your face shine upon us, be present with us. And by doing that, then from this nation, right, what can happen is that your name, your way will be known upon the earth and your salvation among all nations. But we know Israel didn't always do that, right? Instead of caring about God's mercy, caring about his blessing, and caring about his presence, they turned from God. They turned from God. They They rejected him. They turned to idols. They rebelled over and over and over and over and over and over. And as a result many cases, the people saw Israel, the other nations saw Israel in a very negative light, not in a positive light. The same thing is true of you and true of me. So many times people don't see, you know, the the good things. They see all of the negative things about the church of God, Christians, the people of God, and they don't, they don't, they don't know anything other than they don't like us and, and, and I know we always say, well, they're going to hate us. And I know we always make the excuses, but the point is we should want God's mercy, God's blessing and God's presence so that hopefully through us, from us, people could know on earth and their salvation among all the nations. But this is specifically for Israel in a very historical context. So I think we have the invocation in verse one, and then we have the reason for the invocation in verse two, which is, hey, I'm asking this not for us, but for others. I'm asking for this so that others can be helped. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very good at that. I want God's mercy, I want God's blessing, and I want God's presence for my benefit. I want it for me. I want it it so that I can benefit from it. I I, I can't be the only one, right? Now, the question is, so there's verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 is the invocation. Verse 2 is the reason for the invocation. Now, what happens in verse 3, 4, and 5? What happens in 3, 4, and 5? Well, you'll note, at least in, in, in the King James, it says, let the people praise thee. Oh God, let all the people praise thee. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the people praise thee. Oh God, let all the people praise thee. Now it seems like, first, it is an invocation for us. For verse 1 and 2, verse 1 is an invocation for Israel. Verse 2 is the reason for said invocation to bless others. And then verse 3 and 4 and 5 is really an invocation and a prayer for the people for the other nations. I'm going to read it from a different translation. Again, I'm going to go back to the other Bible that I have right here. I'm going to go to the others. Here we go. Psalm 67. Here we go. Yeah, this, this translation does the same thing. Look at verse three. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Let the people praise you, uh, God. Let all the people praise you. Hey, Lord. Have mercy on us, your nation, Israel. Have mercy on us. Bless us. Let your presence be with us. Let your face shine upon us. Why? So that all the people can know your way. So that all the people in a sense can experience your salvation. These other nations can see your way and understand and be saved. And then Lord, I now my specific prayer for all of these other people is that once they've come to know your way and experience your salvation, that these nations then will rise up and praise you. Let the people praise you. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for thou shall judge Uh, the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Selah. Then verse five, let the people praise thee. Oh God, let all the people praise thee. God bless us. God, mercy on us. Bless us. Be present with us so that from us, they may know your way. And then Lord, then they will rise up and praise you. They will find joy in you do this for us so that they can be blessed by it so that they can become your worshipers so that they can pray for you, pray to you and worship you and praise you. See, this is not a end of the worship service. This is the beginning. This is the psalmist starting off Lord, here's what we need. We need your mercy. We need your blessing and we need your presence. Why? So that the other people then, verse two, that they may know that your way may be known and you're saving health among all the nations, that, that others can experience your salvation. Then Lord, that's what we need so that they can be blessed. And then Lord, I'm praying, I'm begging, let them praise you. Let them find joy in you. We're praying for all of these other nations. It's not about us, it's about them. How, how, how many times? And I I think we all, fe- look, Israel failed in this over and over. I think so many times they wanted God's blessing for them. In fact, by the time you get to the New Testament, look at how many of the, the attitudes of many of the Jews were towards the Gentiles. The Gentiles were dogs. The Gentiles don't deserve anything. How many times can we as Christians want God's blessing? We want his presence. We want his mercy. But then we don't really care about anybody else. We just want it for us. We should want it for us so that then it can benefit others. Now, verse 6 and 7 is another transition. So verse 1 and 2 clearly go together. Hey, an invocation for Israel. And here's the reason why. Verse 3, 4, and 5 is literally a prayer, an invocation, a hope for all the other nations. And then verse 6 in the King James starts with the word, then. A, cl- a clear change, right? And this translation, uh, it doesn't start with In. Okay, it, it, it starts almost, it almost switches to a past tense, right? So verse five is, let the people praise you. Let all the uh, peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God blesses us. Then God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. So it's like all the people praise you. Let the earth, uh, the earth has produced its harvest, has produced its harvest. The 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 King James puts it, then shall the earth yield her increase and God, even our own God, shall bless us. It's almost like Lord, uh, so the starts with the invocation, have mercy, bless us, may your face shine upon us, be present with us, so that they can know your way, they can be saved. Then, Lord, let them all praise you. Let them all praise you. And as they're praising you, and as they're coming to you, then guess what? Ultimately, then, the earth will yield her increase. Now, is that the earth yielding her increase as, as from the earth these other nations are rising up and believing and blessing God and praising God? Is that the, the increase? Is that the harvest that is being spoken of here? The harvest of all the nations now coming to God is, is that is that the harvest that is being spoken of here? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I have a, a, a commentary here. I'm gonna see if they even mention that because I that's that's a very good question here. Um, Okay, so here, this is, this commentary literally asks the question, what does the harvest have to do with the conversion of the nations of the world? The phrase, then shall the earth yield her increase is a quotation from Leviticus 26, 4, and Leviticus 26 is a summary of God's covenant with Israel. God made it clear that his blessing on the land depended on Israel's obedience to the law. The blessing he would send Israel would be a witness to the pagan nations that Jehovah, al- Jehovah alone is the true and living God. And this would give the Jews opportunity to share the word with them. But if Israel disobeyed the Lord, he would withhold the rain and their fields would yield no harvest. This is all in Leviticus 26. And this would put Israel to shame before the Gentile nations, Jeremiah 33, Joel chapter two and Deuteronomy nine. Why would all the ends of the earth, uh, and then, okay, then, so it doesn't, uh, well, it says, why would all the ends of the earth fear a God who didn't provide food for his own people? The application to the church today is obvious. As we obey the Lord and pray and trust in him, he provides what we need. Okay, so that doesn't really, okay. Um, it says, while verse six speaks of a literal harvest, it also reminds us of the spiritual harvest. Right, so I, I don't know about that. All right, so the way they're looking at it, and it is in quotation, so then shall the earth yield her increase. So I guess maybe what it's saying is, Lord, through us, others are to be blessed. We cannot bless others without your mercy, without your blessing, without your presence. Because if you do that, if we have those, then the others are going to know your way. They're going to be saved. Then Lord, let them praise you. Let them praise you. And once they are doing that, like we are blessing, we're being blessed and others are being blessed, then the earth shall yield her increase. Then all of those promises of what you would do in the land, then it will be fulfilled. At this point, this immediately begins to me in my mind. Now that could have been a request. This could be a prayer for it to happen at the, at the light during the time of the psalmist, whichever psalmist this is. Maybe it's David, but maybe this has great implications about eschatology, right? Now, this, I want you to do this today, all right? Here's what I, so I want you to focus on Psalm 67, but I want you to focus on this. I want you to find verses in the minor prophets and in the major prophets that seem to speak of a time when Israel will be restored to the land they're going to be blessed there's going to be a great harvest in the land it's going to be you know everything's going to be the the earth it's going to be yielding its fruit and at that time the nations will come to zion the nations will pour into israel now i know if you're an amillennialist, I know you you don't believe that that's referencing Israel. You believe that's referencing the church, and I, I understand. But for those of us who reject that and believe that this is these are literal promises to a literal Israel and a literal Jerusalem, that find those verses that speak of this, because then this could be this could be Psalm sixty seven could have a very much a connection to eschatology. The psalmist is praying for a time that God's mercy will be shown to Israel his blessing and his face will shine upon them. At that point, as that is happening in Israel, they're going to serve then as a witness to others and others are going to know and be saved. And then the prayer is then at that time, the nations will begin to rise up and praise God. And then when that happens, then all of the fulfillment that God promised Israel, then the land will, uh, at the then the earth will yield her increase. I, and then God, um, even our own, God shall bless us. Then the blessings will come that all of this would be working out exactly as God described in Leviticus. um, I I think they said in the commentary, uh, Leviticus 26, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. So they're seeing this as literal. I was thinking it more, Hey, Lord, do this we pray that all these nations will praise you. And as they begin to praise you and they find your way, then in a sense, it's the earth giving up its harvest, the spiritual harvest of the nations to God. But they're looking at it in a more literal way. So you you can, you can work in which way you think that should go. All right. And then it says, God shall bless us. So remember at the beginning, God be merciful unto us and bless us. It's a, it's an invocation, right? Then, then there, and then it's a reason for the invocation in verse two. Three, four, and five is an invocation for the nations. Verse six is uh, what happens. The, 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 the consequences of this happening. If, if, if the nations are doing all of those things that are mentioned in verse three, four, and five, then the earth is going to yield her increase and then there's going to be a blessing upon Israel. And then it says, God shall bless us. Now here's like a certainty. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. This is clearly calling for something. This is a, a hopeful expectation. So it, it begins with an invocation, a reason for the invocation, then an invocation for other people, and then an explanation of what, you know, of what, if that, that invocation is answered, then there's going to be this great blessing. And then the certainty, God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. That this is coming to a time where everything's going to be different. And I think that then you have to, well, you can either try to spiritualize this all day. I just don't think it works. If you take it literally, there's going to be a time that God is going to have mercy upon Israel. Israel's going to be restored. They're going to be brought back into the land. God is going to bless them and they're going to be his people and he's going to be their God. And as a result of Israel in the land and exalted, the nations will see who the true God is and then they will begin to bless him and they will, in a sense, flow into Israel and they will come to Jerusalem to hear the word of God because the, the Messiah will be ruling and reigning from there. And then at that point, the the land will be as fruitful as God had promised them, all of those promises, and then they will bless, and then all the ends of the earth shall fear him. I believe this has a this has a very clear point to eschatology. Now that is how I think we should approach Psalm 67. It's not a benediction. This is an invocation. This is is looking towards something, longing for something, hoping for something. And I don't believe this has ever happened in any meaningful way in in history. So I think it has to look to a future time for Israel. That's why we need to find those Bible verses that speak of Israel being restored to the land. The land is fruitful and it's giving forth its harvest harvest. Right? I, Jeremiah, I believe, talks about this. Ezekiel definitely talks about this. Right? They both talk about it. Isaiah talks about this. And then it seems to indicate there's going to come a time where the people are coming to Jerusalem. They're flowing to Zion. The nations are coming because now there's the Messiah. He is there. Now, I know we can spiritualize it. People say, well, no, this is everyone coming to the church. I don't, I I know. Everyone may be coming to the church. The church, not, uh, the, not all the earth is fearing him. Okay, something really radical is going to have to occur for the earth to fear him. That is your today's focus. For February the 14th, 2024. Now there's a lot of other things going on. Like I said, it's, it's Ash Wednesday, it's Valentine's. Where on the Church uh, 2.0 app, there's all kinds of other broadcasts going on. We need to find uh, the broadcast. Let me let me go look for it really quick. We need to find the broadcast um, that deals with. Um, let me see here, library. Yeah, it's not there. Hang on, my my follow. My, I'm gonna go to the ones I follow. Yeah, now they're not they're not in order as when I just followed them. Oh, I know what we can do. Let's do a search. Let's do a search. Let's do a search. Five tools. I'm going to do a uh, No, not my library. I don't want my library. Hang on. Let's go. Hang on. I got too many things going on here. Let's, uh, let's go to home. I'm going to go to discover. Now, five tools. I'm going to do five tools. Five Tools to Kill Your Sin. Here it is. Five Tools to Kill Your Sin um, from Providence Baptist Church. All right, Providence Baptist Church. And it's right there, okay? It's right there. So please find it, look that up. Add that to your list of things to do today. You may want to read 1 Corinthians 13. You may want to read about Jesus in the wilderness. You may want to read verses about repentance. There's a lot you could focus on today. But for now, just I really want you to give some thought on Psalm 67 and find some of those cross-references that I mentioned. And I want you to just really consider. Now, this is very important. You can have someone who's gone to Bible college, someone gone to seminary, Someone who's very well qualified to teach the word of God, but sometimes it is astounding to me how a text, that's clearly invocation, gets turned into a benediction, and somehow showing us what happens in our worship or something. I, I no, this is this is the psalmist crying out for. God to do something for Israel so that the nations can be blessed and the nations are praising him. And as a result of the nations praising him, then it seems that then God will fulfill those promises to Israel. I don't know if it has anything to do with our worship at all. I don't think it has anything to do any, I don't think it has anything at all to do with our worship, but it's amazing how a Psalm that's an invocation can get turned into a benediction and it gets turned. And then it's really not about us per se. I mean, a little bit because we're part of maybe the, the Gentile nations, but, but in a roundabout way, it's not really about our worship. So we have to be able to ones to hear it and go. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Now I've put forth my hypotheses. Be looking at be be looking for Bob Jones University when that message is uploaded. In fact, I'm going to look right now. I'm going to look right now to see. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to go back to search. I'm going to look here. Oh, it's there! It's been uploaded. It's uploaded. The worship of God in missions. The Worship of God in Missions, it's there right now. Go listen to it. Now, you've heard me give argue for invocation versus benediction. He's going to argue for benediction over invocation. You tell me which one you think it is. Now, you can hear both. So, uh, on the Sermons 2.0 app, look for the Worship of God in Missions. Okay? And also, if you just look, there's currently 12 webcasts going on right now. There are 12 going on right now. You got so much to choose from. So much to do. And what I really want you to learn from this is, not only do I want you to learn about Psalm 67, I want you to just realize what you literally have in the palm of your hand. Before the day is over, you can almost have a semester of seminary and Bible college. Right? It's almost like before the day is over, you could take a full-blown course on Psalm 67. In fact, if you want to today... You can li- you've can you listened to me. Now you could go listen to Bob Jones on Psalm 67. And then guess what? You can look up sermons on Psalm 67 on the Sermons 2.0 app. And by the end of the day, you could have heard three, four, five sermons on Psalm 67. And who knows how many different approaches you will hear. You've heard my approach. Bob Jones did it a completely different way than I would. Those are two approaches. You can listen to it. You may get f- 10 approaches on Psalm 67 before the day is even out. That's awesome. Isn't it great about technology? All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you appreciate what we're trying to do in any way, shape, or form, if you're using the Sermons 2.0 app or the Church One app, there's that little Give tab. Please consider. It could be a dollar, $3, $5, anything to help support what we do. We appreciate it. Or you can go to TheologyCentral.net, hit the Donate tab. Either way, we always appreciate it. But... We will always make sure all of our content, wherever it is found, is always free and never behind a paywall. And we appreciate those who help us accomplish just that. When we, when we, uh, when we can't do that, then it'll just go away because, yeah, not going to put it behind a paywall or try to get people to subscribe or anything like that. Um, follow us, yes, but not subscribe for a payment. So um, if you want to support, great. If you don't, that's perfectly okay. All right, thank you very much. Everyone, have a wonderful day. And uh, well, we'll be back. I don't know. It's uh, it's already two thirty, so most likely, you next time you hear me, it'll be from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church, probably around seven p.m. And uh, we will be live streaming tonight from there for a little bit longer. Uh, Then we'll we'll be probably moving towards just recording our messages from the church. The live stream will happen here from the Theology Central Studio, and then we'll just be recording from the church. And that's another cost-cutting measure to try to ensure more money is available for, well, doing this. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless. Technically, when I end at today's focus, I'm supposed to end it this way.